0: This week. Coming down from a Comic Con high is so much easier when you've been granted an audience with the great Stanley, true believers. Also, the brilliant Kamel Nanjiani talks about the big sick. All that and more on the movie podcast. We did not re record this intro at short notice in a snatched meeting room on Friday afternoon for reasons I will never fully disclose. And now back to the regularly scheduled intro. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Huard. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, if you listened to our Comic Con special episode, I can tell you that I am back. And I got some sleep. Not a lot of sleep, but enough. Uh, this week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning, both of whom assure me that they aren't those shape-shifting menaces, the scrolls. but uh, there's only really one way to find out is with a test of lethal cunning. Uh, so, you say you're the geek queen, Helen O'Hara, but how many times have Sam and Dean taken off their shirts <laughs> in Supernatural?
1: Like practically none.
0: That is incorrect. <laughs> you are a scroll. I demand my five pounds back. The answer is in every episode.
1: It is not in every episode.: They,
0: they lather.: Believe me, I'm they lather watching. each other in every episode. Um, all right, here's one. Uh, John Nugent, you are the quiet poddle: Yes of the, uh, of the podcast. Uh, but how many people's careers have you destroyed in a rage?: <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, one. John Favreau. John Favreau. That is correct. You are John Nugent. <laughs> Helen is not Helen. Is a scroll. What? You are John Nugent. You have destroyed John Favreau's career. He had a retreat in shame after you destroyed his career. Yeah. And he's directing he something about need... a book. I don't. I don't even. Something read it. about
2: a lion. A I lion. Don't I don't even yeah. know. It is. Only one billion,
0: mate. Forget about it. <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> Just the one. Uh, welcome both. How are you all? Good.
1: All right, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, good, good. Good. Recovering yeah. from Comic Con envy, obviously.
0: Uh, believe me, there is no envy. Oh. There was no envy to be had. Oh. Uh, genuinely, no envy to be had. I saw the floor once. I saw Hall H once. Do you want? Th- do you want that, Helen? Do you want that? Sure. Well, you can't have it. Uh, right. So moving <laughs> on to next, moving on to this week's question. It comes from email. It comes from Owen Lynch. Uh, it says, "Hello, gang. That's nice. <laughs> Long time listener, first time questioner. When watching John Wick for the fourth time, I noticed he wore his watch upside down to protect it." While he goes on the rampage, my question is, have you ever adopted a similar life hack from a movie that you watched? When uh, Presumably not when you're going on a rampage.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, first of all,
0: <laughs> was it Owen? Was it Owen, yeah.
2: Does he go on rampages a lot? Is, is this why he
0: turns well, he his watch? Sounds Irish, so I'd say yes. Uh, some Irish rampages. Oh my God, self-eating what? racism. That's what? appalling. It's totally true. Do you, you never go on a rampage Will you not go on a rampage? Oh, come on now! Oh wow! There's... Okay,
1: he's a self-hating racist. Yeah. You're just racist.
0: That's pretty good though. That's pretty good accent. Uh... Times do it again. Shah! Will you not go on a rampage? Ah, oh, you lost it. Yeah, no, that was you terrible. lost it, mate. Yeah, ridiculous. At the weekend when you were bored and the uh, the snooker club was closed. Did snooker, you not, yeah. All small, I look like
1: a snooker player. All to small
0: you. Northern Irish towns, the snooker clubs. Helen, this is this is the law. Um, did you not? Did you not just? Go on a cheeky rampage, just <laughs> down the street with your mates. Oh, uh, we would sometimes
1: drive along the street. That is, you true. would drive along the street. Yeah.
0: Now we're getting to playing the playing
1: ocean color scene, which could be described ocean as a rampage color scene. It was the nineties. We were very holy
0: young. shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Ocean Colour Scene. Actually, it was
1: mostly the Beastie Boys, but it was sometimes Ocean Colour
0: Oh, you're scene. desperately that's grasping one, for some street there. That's the credor. one that I remember. I was it was it Ocean Colour Scene we played or was it the Beastie Boys? <laughs> I, now I think about it, I think it was the Beastie Boys. No, it was Ocean it was Colour both. Scene. Cool and then FM. a lot of salt and pepper. But uh, anyway, so you're not going on a rampage, all right? But you right. are. You want a life hack from a movie, okay? A you hack. want something that has made your life easier and you saw someone do it in a movie first. What is that life hack?
1: I'll be honest, I'm, I'm finding it hard to think of it. I mean, I, I don't I don't pick up a lot from movies. I learned how to chop an onion better from Ina Garten on the Food Network, but that, that's a different thing, isn't it? How do you it? do that? And so you kind of don't quite cut the end off and then cut <laughs> almost to the end and sort of chop inwards as well. So like you're chopping in two dimensions and then, and then boom, 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 and you've got diced onions. Look, honestly, you have to see it. It doesn't work if somebody just tries to describe it.
0: Chop the end off. All right. What about don't the, uh, chop the end off? W- don't chop the end. No. off. No, I just missed that completely. Mm. I heard it was end. You don't, and I was trying <laughs> desperately to make it, it together. Rude. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about the uh, the tip from Goodfellas about slicing garlic? Uh, yeah, slicing with the garlic razor. so thin with we'll sliced with a razor so it, it dissolves straight into the into the sauce.
1: I mean, I don't do that because if you just chop it small, it it dissolves anyway.
0: It needs right. a razor. Yeah. Oh, I um, one life hack I got from movies is I I used to do this all the time. I'm really embarrassed. I used to rub other men's rhubarbs all the time, all really? the time. I couldn't resist. And what and film did you? Play? I saw Batman, Batman, right? And then the Joker. He goes, "Never rub another man's rhubarb." And <laughs> boy, was my face red. Oh my goodness! So I I stopped doing that. Yeah, you learned not to. <laughs> I learned not to do that. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So that's not. That's not. Do you, ever, um, do you ever do what Michael Corleone does in, in Godfather and have a, uh, you know, you pick a restaurant ahead of time. I do this all the time again. You have a restaurant picked ahead of time and you have a gun taped to the um, cistern.
1: Taped in the, well, of course. <laughs> just, where you, where, just in case. How else are you going to get your gun into the restaurant? Like Precisely, you know. right?
0: You're going to have someone, you know, if you fancy a quick cheeky rampage. Sure. Bit of a cheeky Nando's followed by a cheeky rampage. You go to the Nando's, you you case it out. Maybe you have someone else leave the gun there earlier on, just in case. Always thinking. Plausible deniability, Helen. So important. It's important that you don't uh, say these things out loud on a podcast that people will listen to as well. (laughs) Plausible deniability, that's what I'm all about. Just get the gun taped to the cistern. If the peri-peri chips aren't your liking, just go apeshit with the gun. Uh, You know, just wave it around. It's not a real gun, obviously. It's made of carrots. Absolutely.
1: Anyway, oh, yeah. Empire, yeah, <laughs> Empire does not condone violence. No, it doesn't. And do uh, literally, nothing that Chris just said is is a good idea. It's not
0: true. It's not true. It's not true. But I do have a life hack, a okay. genuine life hack that I have used. I saw once in a movie. I may even have said it's in a podcast. Is already. it going
1: to be cutting off your arm and attaching a chainsaw to it?
0: That's a really good life hack, isn't it? <laughs> that is pretty damn good. Uh, uh, no, and you've, I've never started the car. I've never hot wired a car. I've never done that. No, neither have I. I've never uh, you know hacked into a ATM. I've never done that, either Uh like uh, Eddie Verlong in Terminator I I feel like
1: you're protesting a little too much now, but (laughs) go ahead.
0: Uh, All right, so what I did, and what I do, is if I go to a public toilet, and I have to go number two. Oh, good Lord. All right. I'm enjoying the story. I take the toilet paper, and I place it on the seat as a barrier between my buttocks and the... I, think th- I've, I mean, think that's I've ridiculous,
1: and I really wish he hadn't said it. I think but, it's ridiculous on many, many levels. And I
0: got this life hack from The Mask. Yeah. Jim Carrey, Stanley Ipkiss, he goes to prison, and he's in one of those open... Uh, cells with the toilet in the middle of the, the cell, and he is, he doesn't, he's but a that's meant to be a
1: joke, though, right? I mean, no. he, it's not meant to be like an, a recommendation, it's, it's meant to an, be a punchline in itself. It's an
0: amazing thing. You see him, he's kind of, oh, he doesn't want to use the toilet, and he's, but he has to use the toilet, you know, and so he puts the toilet paper around yeah, but the, Then
1: you just make a, a, a mess of the whole toilet for everyone who follows after you. you
0: don't, because the toilet paper goes into the toilet when the flushes.
1: Well, one would hope, but it, I've seen too many is toilets this tried, messed this is tried up by that. And technique. trusted
0: Helen, this is believe me. It, I, it is
1: gross and weirder than sitting on a public toilet. Listen, Much if weirder. I could
0: start a business teaching other <laughs> men how to go to public toilets, I would be a bloody millionaire. I'd be flush with cash. In fact, I oh. may even be what I call it, uh, because other men, quite frankly, are pigs and animals and disgusting. And I don't really want to. Get into it on a respectable podcast, uh, or indeed this one. So, but yeah, they're they're they're, they're animals, and uh, I am not an animal because I use the, the toilet roll no, life no. hack. As I wondered if this is something that Jim Carrey does in real life. I want because that's something that 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 that, that speaks of real life.
1: It's a joke. It's a, it's, it's it it's, is. It's a bad. It's not advice think, that you're meant to take. I think he's take. a germaphobe,
0: and I think maybe he's done that in real life, oh. and he's not dead. So it's done well. John? Okay, just moving on from pooing. Like,
1: thank um, God.
0: The film Sideways,
2: Alexander Payne Sideways. Uh-huh. I don't know anything about wine.
1: But you don't drink any fucking Merlot no.
2: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> genuinely, this is a thing. I have I have no no knowledge whatsoever about wine, but if I'm in a supermarket and I'm trying to select a bottle of wine, I will automatically not go for Merlot. I don't, pro- I don't know why. I, mean, I don't know what's wrong with Merlot. But... You're,
1: you're talking to two teetotalers here, so we can't say... <laughs> you're probably missing out. But you are probably missing out on some kind of Merlot. He,
2: he really hated Merlot. I don't know why. He he
1: but really again, does. he's not he's necessarily a character who's meant to be a role model. I'm, I'm worried that the two of you are taking bad <laughs> advice. Like, I feel like Ina Garten and cooking, mm. I can take her advice and be pretty sure that it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you two, with the with the wine and with the toilet, I feel like you're taking advice from dubious sources. <laughs> I don't think so. Even would, the godfather, Chris. I would trust... I'm not
0: sure that's good advice. I would trust Michael Corleone with my life. <laughs> and there's no evidence to suggest that would be a bad decision. Paul Giamatti is a stand-up guy. Uh, but Merlot, I imagine, has a lovely fruity tang. <laughs> I would imagine raisins. Uh, probably some raisins in there and some chocolate. Some lovely chocolate as well. Lovely, you know, chocolatey tang. Uh
3: Uh,
0: But the toilet thing I think is perfect. Uh, Another life hack, I get this from uh, the X-Men movies, is that when I'm approaching a supermarket door, I like to use my powers of magnetism to open it.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Wow. (laughs) I thought it was your powers of telekinesis. Uh,
0: Well, sometimes I like to do that as well, but Uh I use the force in that case. uh, Either I use the force or I use my powers of magnetism. So So, you you have the force and... Magnetism. We're a pretty special and you guy, never, John.
2: Never used it until you saw the films X Men.
0: I didn't know. <laughs> you had no idea. I didn't know. It was, it was an awakening. It really was. It's amazing. The feeling of power when you wave your fingers. Sure. At a door, and the door responds. Amazing. It's, you can't bottle that. I
2: don't tried. tip in restaurants. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Um, because I watched
0: Reservoir Dogs. Yep. That's fair enough. It's not a life I mean, hack. It's I a no. life
2: hack? I, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's just terrible. I'm spending terrible. 10% no. less. That's, that's just, just you being a
0: terrible human being, yeah. Uh, do not is a something you know, That was a joke. Life hacks are something you do on a sort of almost everyday basis or a weekly basis that actually do help your life. And I think I've I've delivered one. Uh, Helen, you've been... I've been useless. You've been shoddy in this question. Yeah. And John, you've been um, kind of embarrassing, really, to be honest. It's, it's a, I'm embarrassed to be on this podcast with you. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to have your question read out in the Empire Podcast, you can do so via a number of methods. You can uh, tweet us where we're at Empire Magazine. You can use the hashtag Empire Podcast where chances are we won't see it. You can Facebook us as well where we're Empire Magazine. And you can email us, podcast at empireline.com, as Owen Lynch did before he went on a cheeky rampage with his watch. (laughs) Pointed in the other direction so it didn't get smashed. Very clever. (laughs) Very clever indeed. Uh, Right. So we should have a uh let's have a guest. Yeah, that's that's a Actually, we got two guests this week. Um so this this is uh, I was pretty happy with this. This was the last thing I did at Comic Con 2017. I'm pretty happy it's an understatement. If anyone saw the pictures of me grinning at this man on Instagram, uh would know. But um so the very last thing I did at Comic Con 2017 was I was uh, invited to the suite of Stan Lee. Uh it was a Werther's original. It was just sitting there no, the suite, hotel suite of Stan Lee and uh, for an audience with The Great Man. He was 94 years old this year. And this week, last week, in fact, he had uh, been given the honour of having his handprints set in concrete outside the Grauman's Chinese theatre, uh, courtesy of his company, Legion M, which organises fan entertainment. And uh, check out their website for more information. And they were nice enough to organise this audience with The Great Man, uh, which we, we chatted about a great many things. Comic-Con, of course. Um, punctuation. Why does Spider Man have a hyphen? At long last, the man who created Spider Man would tell us that, <laughs> I, th- I think. Uh, and tons of other stuff as well. So do enjoy this. Oh, and I will say, very special guest, Gate Crashes, this about six minutes in. It's Michael Rooker out of Guardians of the Galaxy. Enjoy. Uh, we're delighted to be joined on the Empire podcast by the great, the legendary Stan Lee. How are you, sir?
4: Very well. A nice of you to inquire.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm a nice guy, of course. So, you know, we're, we're, we're a Comic-Con Stan and, you know, without you, there probably wouldn't even be a Comic-Con.
4: Oh, I wouldn't say that. The Comic-Con is really a product of all the work that everybody does in the comic book business, and now it's much more than comic books. Now you have actors, directors... It's become so big, it's it's a pop culture thing, more yeah. than just comics. Absolutely. But of course, po- comics are at the head of pop culture. Yes, Don't ever are. forget it. Of course, of course.
0: But your legacy is everywhere. And I, I want to know what it's like being Stan Lee at Comic-Con. I imagine you haven't had to buy a drink here for about 30 years,
4: <laughs> more? To tell you the truth, I'm not a drinker. Okay, okay. So, um... If anybody bought me a drink, I wouldn't be drinking it anyhow. (laughs) And uh, people are very cheap at comic Con. Oh, here's Stan. He doesn't need a drink. Forget it. Uh, What was the question, by the way? The question is, what's it like being you at Comic-Con? I'll show you why people like to interview me and why I'm such a good interview uh, uh, person. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not bad, no, is it? Actually, <laughs> it's a little bit difficult because as I walk through, everybody who sees me is saying, Hiya Stan. Yeah. And I don't have a good memory. And those people (laughs) saying, hi, Stan, I don't know if they're just people I'm passing by Uh or if they're people I know and I should be saying, hi, Joe or Sam or whatever. So it's a hell of a strain. (laughs) I I, I handle it beautifully. Luckily, I I can handle these crises, but it isn't easy. Do you like to shake hands? I
0: remember my very first Comic-Con was 2003, and I met you in a corridor, and I took a picture with you. Uh, So you you like to... Stay with the fans. You like to have your picture taken with the fans. You're very accommodating. Oh, I love
4: I love being with the fans and shaking hands and saying hello. And, uh, of course, my hand gets very tired after a while. <laughs> I, they ought to allow you to shake with your left hand also. In fact, it may be a custom I may start. Okay. That gives your right hand a little rest.
0: We can try it at the end of this interview. I'll, I'll oh, try my left hand. Speaking
4: of customs, there yeah. is a very important thing I'd like to mention to mm-hmm. your viewers worldwide. Most people who write comic book, the word comic book, write it as two words. Yes. Don't ever let them do that again. <laughs> because when you write comic book as two words, it means a comic book, a yeah. funny book. Uh-huh. That's not what comic books necessarily are. Yeah. It should always be written as one word. Interesting. That makes it a thing. A comic book. Yeah. Sets it apart from everything uh-huh. else. Okay. But calling it a comic book as two words, that's like saying it's a science fiction book. Mm-hmm. or it's a love story, it's a comic book. No, it's a comic book. One word, and One you word. see to it. I will check on you later, <laughs> and all, all your listeners, and make sure that they're doing it right.
0: We will change it. We will update our house style boy. So from this, this point
4: on. So this book. interview hasn't been a total waste.
0: No, it hasn't. It's been great. Uh, and actually, I want to ask you, Stan, because as a, as a long-standing fan of, of, of punctuation and grammar, I'm a pedant, uh, Spider-Man has a hyphen. Oh, of course, now, is that important to you
4: yeah, it very it's important to me very important. important to me. without the hype in spider man wouldn't even be able to swing from building to building. <laughs> That hyphen means so much. He checks. Spider-Man checks the comics himself. Is my name spelled right? And I can relate to that. If anybody wrote Stan Lee and left out an E, I'd be upset. Yeah. Well, imagine how Spider-Man would feel without the hyphen. I don't, I, I tremble furious. to think of it. Furious. Yeah.
0: But was it important to you to have the hyphen? Because it could have been just one word. It could have been just Spider-Man.
4: That wouldn't have been right. Yeah. I wanted to play up the word spider by putting the hyphen there. Mm -hmm. The kids get the spider by itself, and then they see that he's a man. But if it was all together, hey, there's Spider-Man, you know, there's Batman, it would be like nothing. Yeah. You could probably even pronounce it Spiderman. You notice where I threw in that little dig at Batman. (laughs) Who? (laughs) Never heard of him. Never heard of him. You're my Uh, kind of reviewer. Thank
0: you, man. Thank you. Uh. It's been a big week for you, Stan. You had, uh, on Tuesday, you had your, your handprint at the uh, Chinese theater. It took
4: me a half hour to wash my hands and get that <laughs> off me. That was terrible. What was that experience like for you? Again, I'm going to show you why I'm such a good individual. Was day. it nice? It felt good. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good. No, I don't, I don't know what those things mean, really. I mean, so there I am with my handprint. On the sidewalk where someone can step all over me. I I think maybe that's what they do to people they don't like. <laughs> hey, I, let, me, let me put your print here on the sidewalk. Come on, everybody. Walk on them. Step on them. <laughs> people will
0: try and put their hands in your handprint. Yeah, you never that's know. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. That ceremony was 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 in association with Legion M, a company I know you, you're you associated with. Can you tell us about Legion M? What, what's, what's exciting about them? Well, it's a great company
4: because it's really owned and run by the fans. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first companies of its type that I know of where the fans have a say-so in what you do, what you don't do. Mm -hmm. And uh, any company where the fans have a lot to say will either be great or it'll be more great. So I think it's terrific, and of course I'm glad to be a part of it. really not true. He talks about Michael. Oh my word! Who is that? Oh my word! Well, I heard a voice, a, a dreaded voice that I've been avoiding for We've years. Been gate crashed. Oh look who it is! Gate crashed by Michael Rooker. <laughs> Michael. Michael, do I butt into your interview? Well, you never have an <laughs> a, Nobody cares about you. You never give an interview. Nobody ever butts into Come on. You want to share my interview with me? Come on over. Oh, of course not. You answer. Of course <laughs> not. Just, Here he comes. Michael, I've got loads of questions for Stan. Shall I just ask him to I'll use? Add, yeah? Yeah, just ask, I'll answer for Stan. Go yeah. ahead. Okay, uh, The, the great. next two questions I answer for Stan. All right, so if great. I do good.
3: I've been studying you. I, I've
4: been studying you. No, going. you'll be terrible. The, but It'll make these people realize the difference between you and me. Okay, Go. let's... let's Go make a fool of yourself. what's
0: your question? I'll ask a question, you answer it, and then Stan, you show him how it's done. Okay? (laughs) All right. Okay, here we go. So, uh, what's your favorite MCU cameo that you've done, Stan? uh,
4: Excelsior! (laughs) (laughs) Would you mind going back to the couch? (laughs) uh, Wait, 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 stay here. All right, Uh, because you you don't know this. I don't know the real Every bit of knowledge you can glean is useful to you you can always say you said it i am um, my favorite cameo and I know everybody is waiting with bated breath. This is the one I did in the, horror, uh, the, horror, the Thor movie, uh-huh. where um, he want, he's having a very potent drink. And I'm standing next to Thor, and I say, hey, let me have some of that. And he says, no, you can't drink it. It's, it's too strong for you. Yeah, yeah. And now I can handle it. So he gives me a drink. And in the next scene, they're carrying me out. Yeah. Now, you're saying to yourself, why is that his favorite cameo? It's no big deal. And now I'm going to answer that question. It's my favorite cameo. You probably didn't think of this. You wouldn't have thought of I, it. Either. I would never, I <laughs> don't never think of it. Because it's my only cameo that had two scenes. Uh, First me with Thor, with the drink, and then being carried out. Now, I hope that'll give the various directors and producers the idea that Stan is more than a one-scene kind of guy. Indeed. You know, pretty soon I could run through the whole movie. And you know, those sleeping-type scenes are really difficult to do. (laughs) I did one in Guardians Volume 2. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. The the problem is, do you snore? No, well, how do I know if I snore? I don't wake up and listen to myself. People told me that I snored. I didn't believe them. No, you snore even when you're awake. This is true. I mean, (laughs) what they mean is you have this terrible way of talking, your terrible personality. (laughs) It always sounds like you're snoring. Why couldn't you invite somebody who speaks beautifully son, I didn't, instead problem? of just get a beautiful <laughs> girl over here?
0: I can't control this man. He's a force of nature. Oh, but, you guys are awesome. But Michael, you said Excelsior. Yeah,
4: I did say Excelsior. And
0: that's what San says But he says Excelsior. You said, yeah.
4: I said Excelsior.
0: You said, yeah, this is true. Uh,
4: ex- excelsior. Oh, no, you do say Excelsior. you got to say it correctly. Okay, let me do it. Go, go ahead. Ready? Excelsior. But don't do it better than me. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't like it He's getting too close Excelsior Excelsior You're getting good I'm not as good as you The whole world I gotta get a new word The whole world is learning Excelsior Should we just get one from the group? There's a whole lot of people watching Okay Everybody Excelsior Excelsior. (laughs) Hey you gotta good bunch here. It's not bad. It's not bad. We should do this more often <laughs> with the, with a group watching. I uh, love you guys. Do you sure, want the second? You, you destroy the interview then you yeah, I Then I leave. That's, that's
0: what I do. Amazing. Are we amazing. still talking? We're still talking just for a few more minutes. So one of the questions I was going to ask Michael to answer for you uh, was about the creation of all these amazing heroes and characters that you, you, uh, you made in, in the 1960s obviously with, with the likes of Jack and Steve. There's a lot of great alliteration Oh, yeah,
4: I'm a big alliteration kind of guy.
0: Yeah. So where do these names come from for you, Stan? I
4: mean, you know, Reed Richards, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. The reason I did it, frankly, I have the world's worst memory. Uh Uh-huh. So if I have a name where the first name is the same letter as the second name, if I can think of one of the names, it gives me a clue to what the other name will start with, and it makes it easier. For, for instance, if I say Bruce, what the hell was his last name? It began with B. Oh, yeah, Banner. But if his name was Wilson, yeah. Bruce, what what would lead me to Wilson? I'd never think of his name. Okay. He'd only be If I remembered Bruce, he'd only yeah, yeah, be yeah. Bruce to me.
0: Well, that's interesting. too. So you've got Scott Summers as well. But there's no alliteration
4: with Charles Xavier. Charles Xavier. Where'd well, that, I, I, mean occasionally, occasionally a man slips up. <laughs> you can't forget Charles Xavier, though, right? No, I, thought, to... I thought that Charles Xavier would... Uh, who's Charles Xavier? Oh, he's the guy who... Is he yeah. the guy at the school?
0: Yeah, yeah the guy at the school.
4: Yeah. I, I didn't realize, did I, I give him the first name Charles? <laughs> yeah. I just thought of him as Xavier. Okay. Okay. Somebody else must have written that Charles <laughs> in there. See, now you got me all upset. I have to find out somebody else who wrote a future story must have called him Charles. Absolutely. Or maybe I did. I can't remember. Okay. Excellent. The, the X-Men. That's one of our books, right? That's it. Okay, I remember.
0: Yeah. I'm aware of that. I'll, I'll do a spreadsheet for you. Uh, so, uh, but at that, that, that time as well, you've made so many amazing characters, created so many amazing characters that live on. Today, I like the sound of that. It, we're going, we're going in a good place here. But at the time, it was in, you know in the nineteen sixties, and you were coming up with new characters on a virtually daily basis. Did you? You must have had no idea they were going to live on this long. Did you think that they were just going to last maybe one year, two years, three I, years? I max? hope
4: the first issue would sell, <laughs> so I'd keep my job. Um, you never know. I mean, you bring out a book. And then I'd wait breathlessly for a month. It took that long to get the sales figures. Yeah. And at the end of the month, my publisher would either say, all right, Stan, do a second issue of this. It's all right. Or he'd say, boy, that was a bomb. Don't write any more of this anymore. (laughs) Fortunately, he hasn't said that. So it was all right. Okay. But you weren't really thinking of legacy. You weren't thinking of... You weren't thinking. No, I wasn't thinking. Legacy. I was thinking, can I pay the goddamn <laughs> rent? <laughs> it worked but out okay. Legacy. It worked out okay. I'm in there buying groceries and figuring out my budget, and my God, we have got to get a cheaper rent to this. And you're talking <laughs> legacy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not going to ask. You. Well, I am going to ask you, but uh, they say you should never pick a favorite. I guess, but. Mm.
4: It's hard to pick a favorite,
0: but you're going to ask
4: me and the answer is Spider-Man. Yeah, there we go. Why, why, Spidey? I like Spider-Man because he's the most recognizable anywhere in the world. You have a a picture of Spider-Man. People know who he is. It's sort of like Disney used to have Mickey Mouse or the Coca-Cola bottle. You'd see it anywhere. You knew what it was. Somehow or other, Spider-Man has become world famous. And Spider-Man costumes are best-selling costumes on Halloween for kids, kids practically all over the world and of course I'm so smart I, I never had a costume factory I never did a Spider-Man <laughs> costume everybody's making all the dough but me <laughs> <laughs> um, just a couple of last things Stan the, this this
0: fascinates me that in, the, in the 1970s you wrote two screenplays with the
4: French director Alain René Alain René yeah which were never made mm. they were never made it was a funny thing uh, it was called the Monster Maker, I think.
0: Uh uh-huh.
4: It was all, in those days, people were worried about pollution. Uh uh-huh. So I got the idea to treat pollution as if it's a monster. There's a monster called pollution. And it, it, it was more sophisticated than that, but I'm yeah. breaking it down. Of course. I know your audience doesn't like to do deep thinking. We
0: don't do sophistication. No, I know.
4: So anyway, um,. I wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Land loved it. And we took it to a guy named Martin Ransehoff, uh-huh. who was the head of a company called Filmways. I don't know how I remember that. I've got no memory, and that I remember. That was years <laughs> ago. And um, Martin Ransohoff read the screenplay Yeah. and he said I like this this is good yeah. but of course you'll cut at least half of the dialogue because I had never written a screenplay before and I had these people talking like I'm talking now they were going on endlessly speech after speech and they don't do that in movies yeah so um I said okay, but then my friend Alan, who was sitting next to me, ruined both our careers by saying, <laughs> Stan will not change a word of it. My luck. Alan loved it as it was. No producer loved it as it was because it was too long. But oh, Alan man. didn't. He was such a purist. He yeah. wanted every word there the way I had written it. So that script is still hanging around somewhere. And. If I could find it, I bet I could auction it off and get 20 or 30 bucks oh, for wow.
0: it. I, I think it could be, you know, you could get in touch with some of your filmmaker buddies. We could have this movie in cinemas by next year.
4: Yeah. We can it, make like it a, First thing I got to do is find the script. It's something like 300 pages long. Oh, well, it'll be a big, big pile, <laughs> a big manuscript. You can, you can check that out. But that's the story. Alan was a great guy. He, yeah. he was a brilliant man, and he did some wonderful movies. And he had really come over here to America to see if he could get to direct the Spider-Man movie. Wow. He was one of the first people who thought it would be good to have a movie about Spider-Man. Yeah. And I assume that he spoke to whoever made those decisions in those days and they decided not to do the movie. So then he was stuck with me with... (laughs) my pollution movie (laughs) he was a funny guy he always wore a red shirt yeah every time you'd see him he had a red shirt and one of the biggest mysteries of the time was is it the same red shirt and he washes it every night and puts it on in the morning or does he have a lot of red shirts (laughs) we never figured that out
0: well it's the old uh, albert einstein thing isn't it you were he has he had the same suit a dozen times. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah. So he would just wear the same thing every day. Oh, this is the kind of interview
4: I like, where I learn something.
0: <laughs> and you said we don't do deep thinking. <laughs> Amazing. I, I just want to ask one last thing about the uh, Alain Rene. This uh, is the
4: fifteenth time he said, "I want to ask one last thing."
0: Spot, I hope you're keeping. you spotted my technique. I like it. The Alain Rene uh, relationship that you struck up with him—that—that—that. That, that oh, we were best friends. Me. That fascinates me, Why? and. Uh, well, it's just a, he's a French filmmaker. I wouldn't have necessarily thought that he would be into comic books,
4: one word. He wasn't books. into comic books. He was into me and the intellectual <laughs> things we discussed, like baseball. Yeah, and The Monster Maker, yeah. which is,
0: it was also about creation, wasn't it, Stan? It, it, was, was, on, what? it was about creation as well. It was about... Oh,
4: I threw everything. It was about yeah. everything you could think
0: of. Oh, man, we need to get this movie made.
4: It uh, would be nice. It would be nice. And uh, what's next for you? We'll finish this interview and then to ask my partner, uh, "What's your Max, <laughs> <laughs> what we do next. Max it tells me where to go and what to do. And I'm going to kill you for putting me next to a guy who asked me such a long interview. <laughs> he said, I'll just next. take a minute, Stan.
0: Next, we're going over there. Stan, it's been a pleasure.
4: Thank hey, you. it's always a pleasure with you. Thank left you. hand. Left hand. We're doing left hand. Remember? Oh, that, oh well, that's we very considerate. That was pretty good. I like that. I ought to give my mouth a rest with the talking, too. <laughs>
0: Stanley, Stanley, Stan, mother effin' Lee. What a legend. Thanks, man. Stanley, not not, Uh, not, not, not you. Easy mistake to make. Did you uh, crack out your... um, I beg your pardon. Finish the sentence. (laughs) Your Stanley impression. No, I didn't. (laughs) No. I I would never do an impression of someone to their face. A, because it would make them realise how bad their voices are. (laughs) Sure, like yeah. how spot on mine is, uh-huh. and how poor theirs is in comparison. Sure, they'd have to adopt a new voice. They'd have to, you yeah, know, Stanley yeah. would hear me going, "Show greetings show everyone, I'm Stanley," and he'd go, "Oh my word, I've got to talk like this now." <laughs> See, <Why would laughs> wow, that was British? two impressions of Stanley, and both of them were, <laughs> we're <terrible>. brilliant. <laughs> That's I'm Stanley. I live in London. Greetings, <laughs> Spidey fans, nuff said. True believers.
1: That is—it's changing as you go. It's, it's a fascinating evolution for a 94-year-old man. Still he's finding be, his voice, still Helen. Still to be finding his voice.
0: At 94 years old, you can still find your voice. That's, you can still be who you're to, to us be. All. That's, Thank you. But he was awesome. He was amazing, and uh, he's still—he's still as he's still sharp as a tack, uh, which is great. Uh, right? Should we—should uh, we move on then from Stanley? I don't want to gloat about that too much. Uh, Should we talk about some movie news? <laughs> yeah. Let's
1: do it. Yeah. Um, probably the big news this week was the James Bond direct... Uh, the James Bond news, first of all, we have a release date for 2019. Um, and there is also the news of a apparent, alleged director shortlist. Um, so on it are Yann Demange from 71. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we also have David Mackenzie, obviously Hell or High Water. Ooh. Denis Villeneuve. Obviously, Blade Runner coming up and yes. uh, Sicario on arrival behind him. Um, people keep saying Christopher Nolan, he is not on this short list.
0: That doesn't mean there isn't another short list. If you're, if you're Eon, right? If you're yeah. Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, you probably have a really short list, which is just two words.
1: <laughs> and one of them is Christopher. <laughs> yeah,
0: and the other one is Hugh Nolan. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Um, And then there's a longer short list, which is all those other gentlemen. Yes, Uh, they're all gentlemen, aren't they?
1: They are all gentlemen. Mm. Well, yeah, it's Bond. Um, But do we think, like, let's (laughs) just get the the directors. (laughs) Can we just talk about the Christopher Nolan thing for a minute? Because Christopher Nolan is the kind of guy who wants to do things his way, and in in fairness, he has earned the right to do things exactly as he wants. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, is that something that any Bond director has ever had? Because you remember back in the day, Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. was. You know, keen to do a Bond, or he said he was. Yes. And they were obviously wary of handing the reins over to someone with that much profile of his own.
0: Yeah, especially since what he wanted to do was was well was yeah. unusual. Unusual. He wanted to do a black and white version of Casino Royale set in the nineteen sixties, with Casino uh, with with Casino Royale playing himself, with Chris <laughs> Brosnan as Bond, even though he was already Bond in the modern continuity at that point.
1: Well, yeah, okay, so that was unusual. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I feel like Nolan is again—he's—he's he's a bit bigger than they'd necessarily be comfortable with. I think they—they f- they prefer directors who. I'm not saying that these are—they're all auteurs. They're all mm. you know filmmakers of of considerable standing, but they tend not to have quite as much clout in the industry as he does.
0: I would say that Sam Mendes bucked that trend. I would say that especially on Spectre, Sam Mendes did what Sam Mendes wanted to do. Um, However, you're right, Chris Nolan makes it a whole different ballgame. Yeah, um, I it, just... Chris Nolan. Be- Crystal It becomes a Chris Nolan movie. Yeah. That's exactly, and... It. and they
1: aren't Chris Nolan movies. They are Bond movies.
0: Yeah,
2: I think he's he's he said in an interview that he's interested in the idea of it, but he's he's at a point in his career where he's only interested in doing original things now. I don't think he wants to take on another franchise. He's done Batman. I don't think and, he needs to work in that system anymore. And
1: at least two of his Batman films are arguably Bond films anyway. So yeah. I think these There's other names a- <laughs> are actually good and really encouraging. They're all great filmmakers. Yeah. Um they've done really interesting kind of action work and character work with the action work at the same time. Yeah. Um so I'd I'd be pretty excited about any of those guys. I mean,
2: I'm I'm very intrigued at the thought of a Denevian live. Villeneuve- Bond movie, I think from what it sounds like, Jan demange is the uh, is the front runner, and he directed seventy one mm-hmm. which if you haven 't seen it, is a fantastic sort of northern Ireland set thriller with jack o 'Connell and that has all the the makings of a really interesting gritty uh, kinetic down to earth bond which so i th- I think he would be a really good fit if he is indeed the front runner, mm. but we shall see we
0: shall see. Yeah, we shall see about, what, two minutes after the Empire podcast hits the... Oh, uh, yes, probably. The I mean, yeah. we've got
1: 24 months of Bond news to come, so we really have to pace ourselves here, don't we? We
0: do. Uh, they, they all seem to have fine choices. Uh, the big question, of course, is, is it going to be Danny Craig? Is he going to be coming back? And is anyone going to call him Danny to his face? <laughs> never, so. Chris. No. Literally never. No. <laughs> uh, I, get, I get nervous with Daniel, uh, frank. Uh, Mr. Mr. Craig, Mr Craig, sir. Mr Craig. Mr um, Craig. Oh, what do you think? Is he going to come back? this to the scuttle button that Friday? that article. seems to be
1: yeah, that seems to be the the word. um, everyone was saying earlier in the week that the New York Times had confirmed his return. I don't think that's something that the New York Times does. I think that's something that Eon does, yeah, um but it's certainly looking good for his return, I think, at the moment,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, i'm I i would not be surprised if he returned. It is the twenty fifth bond. I think this will be a bigger splash than than usual. So I'd imagine that he'd want to, to do that. and also, Spectre was not as good critically or commercially, I would say, received uh, as well as, was, as as Skyfall was. Correct. Um, so perhaps he wants to go out in a high. Right now, I think he has a 50% track record as Bond, and perhaps he wants to go out with... Three out of five. What's three? 60. Oh, 60. Per- 60, per- 60 per- five. What? 60. 60? 60%. 60% chance. <laughs> A 60% success rate. Thanks, Chris. Which would be uh, Roger Morris, what? Seven films. Four of them are good. Four, four into seven doesn't go. Wait, no, it does carry the through.
1: <laughs> four
0: out of seven. Four, four, <laughs> he has a four out of seven success rate. That's pretty good. And that is mathematically sound. So there we go. James Bond uh, coming. And we're going to get him early as well.
1: Yes, so it's uh, <laughs> we're
0: going to get him early. It's
1: what eighth of December of November, sorry, in uh-huh. the US. Mm-hmm. Yes, giving it a few weeks play before Wonder Woman comes along and bashes it in the skull, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and it will probably be sort of Halloween time then here, uh, or just the week just before. Sometimes, sometimes two weeks, isn't it, for Bond? Not one. Yes,
0: it's two weeks. Yeah, yeah usually two go. weeks.
1: That's exciting.
0: Well done. Well done, everybody. Um, all right. What's next? What's happening?
1: Um, James Cameron and Terminator. Uh, so back in January, uh, there was news that James Cameron was trying to take back control of the Terminator franchise in the future. Um, he, at that point, was said to be developing one movie with Tim Miller of Deadpool fame attached to direct. But now, of course, potentially, of course, uh, he's talking about more than one, a three film arc to reinvent the franchise. Um Uh, The question is, he says, has the franchise run its course or can it be freshened up? Can it still have relevance now where so much of our world is catching up to what was science fiction in the first two films? Mm -hmm. We live in a world of predator drones and surveillance and big data and emergent AI. So he's in discussions with David Elson, who is the current right holder globally. Mm -hmm. Um, The rights in the US market apparently revert to Cameron in a year and a half. So he's Mm -hmm. talking to Ellison about doing, seeing what they can do, and they're leaning towards a three-film arc. Of course they are. Now, Cameron should be, in theory, busy with a, was it four-film arc, five-film arc of Avatar films? Uh So, you know, this is not to say he personally is going to be taking the reins on this, but leaning towards another Terminator trilogy.
0: Yeah, which he's not going to direct, clearly, right? He's not going to direct them at the same time. But he is Jim Cameron. He's he probably found Cameron. a way of having a 36-hour day that he can split his time equally between avatars and Terminators. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The thing
2: is, the last two, maybe arguably three, mm. of the Terminator films have not been great. And each one has sort of tried mm. to reinvent the franchise and each one yeah. has sort of not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what, what? at what point do we, you know... Is it more fool us? Like what, at what point do we just think this is Stop, stop trying to maybe reinvent stop. the
1: wheel? Hmm. Maybe maybe just leave it. Terminator well, Two is a
0: perfect
2: film.
1: If you have the answers to that, I mean like <laughs> uh, write in on the back of a postcard, please. Uh
0: we won't read we won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> but, we could read it. It's 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 Jim Cameron. It's Jim Cameron. It is Jim and there's a whole thing you don't write off the Avatar sequels, even yeah. though, you know, it is easy to poo poo them. I certainly know I've I've thrown poo poo in that general direction in the past, but he's proved us wrong constantly. Yeah, and uh, I suspect if anyone can save the Terminator series from itself, it's it's him, him Cameron.
1: Fingers crossed. Yeah,
0: so I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see what they do. Of course, the Terminator movies are now five of them, and three of them have been bad, which means that there's been a um, five and five and <laughs> 40% forty percent, forty forty percent chance. 40, 40% chance of me understanding the maths of this. Correct. 40% success rate. There you go. So, with, Jim Cam- with James Cameron on board, I could make six films, and have three of them are good, then that's a... 50%. 50% success
1: rate. There you go, <laughs> yes. Good boy, Chris.
0: Gold star. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, um, other news. Uh, Chris from Macquarie, uh, formerly of this podcast. No, not right, oh, right here, right now. I mean, he's busy making a uh, Mission Impossible film. Um but he is planning his next move uh, which is uh, a much smaller project um called The Chameleon which is based on this amazing true life story uh which he's adapting with Terence Winter. Now if you haven't read the story I I mean it's a spoiler for the film obviously so if you're spoiler pure don't go near it. But it it's a New Yorker feature written by David Gran uh, and it's the story of a French con man who became a serial impersonator of Missing teenagers.
0: Oh yes, yeah, so and he I lived guess.
1: with he lived with a Texas family yeah. as their formerly missing brother for quite some time in the 1990s, um, and had this bizarre run of I don't want to call it success because it's such a weird thing to do, but this bizarre run of of sort of inveigling his way into into safe places as by pretending to be uh, someone completely different. Mm. So to sort of uh, catch me if you can. But much much weirder mm. than that. Actually,
0: six degrees of separation. E.
1: Yes, yeah, that's Catch good.
0: If can, E. So, do we know this is going to be Macquarie's next movie as a director, or is he going to do something else?
1: Um, we know he's uh, adapting it. We know he's working on it with with Winter. We know that mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a bit of a family affair since uh, Heather Macquarie is um, producing, mm-hmm. and uh, Winter's wife uh, Rachel Winter is is also producing. So it's kind of a a group thing. Um, we assume it's going to be his next film, but I don't know if it's going to come immediately after this
2: or not. Cool. Well, yeah. we look forward to the eight-hour Empire Podcast Spoiler Special. On Absolutely. That um, I have an interesting one. It's not really big news, but I want to talk about it anyway because sure. I just love it. So there's an interesting report in Variety this week uh, about Justice League, which mm-hmm. is having a few... Uh, reshoots, oh, which is quite a quite a common thing for movies of that size. Completely normal. It doesn't mean it's in trouble or anything. It's nope. just they're just having to do reshoots. But one of the issues with doing reshoots after the facts is that you have to juggle stars' schedules. You sure. know, the stars are busy. They have other films they're working on. Um, this might be a bit of a spoiler potentially but i don't think it is like maybe put on your spoiler headphones now but henry cavill is in justice league oh what? my god what? what what superman's not dead what the soil rising from the grave what it's probably just a flashback <laughs> right it's, it's a, a flashback. flashback he's definitely, Flash he's dead, definitely
1: dead he's definitely good. dead yeah like
2: it anyway <laughs> henry cavill is in justice league uh and according to variety um he's <laughs> He's, he's, this is the greatest story in the world. he has He's having to switch between shooting on the Justice League reshoots and Mission Impossible 6. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, no his, problem,
1: that's fine, right? It's sure. like the
0: scene in Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, where Superman <laughs> and Clark Kent have a double date yeah. in the same restaurant and he has to keep rushing back and forth cleaning the tables. Yeah.
1: But you know the way that Superman wears, or Clark Kent wears glasses to what? differentiate himself from Superman? Yes. So you need something that makes you look different in each role. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Henry Cavill's look for Mission Impossible Mm-hmm. Includes a mustache.
2: Yep. And what's interesting is that there was obviously some like negotiation between the studios on this mustache and Paramount, who make <laughs> Mission Impossible, would not back down. This, is, this like, is a report. This, this is alleges- a report. Allegedly. This is, Allegedly. Allegedly. According to variety sources, not confirmed, yeah. they're, they're Paramount don't want the moustache shaved off so it will be digitally removed
0: in Justice League's post-production. <laughs> this, is, this is, if this is true, this is the most gloriously petty thing I've heard in a long, long time. It would be easier and quicker to shave the moustache off, go back to the Mission Impossible 6 set and have them put on a fake moustache rather than the thousands of dollars that uh, Warner Brothers are going to have to spend on digitally removing the moustache or maybe keeping the moustache and digitally <laughs> erasing Henry Cavill. I'm not really sure how it's going to work but... It's just that—that's kind. I kind of admire that. That's level level. I mean, I,
1: I really want it to be true because it's just one of the most, just one of the most fascinating stories ever. It's wonderful if it's or true. Or just
0: have Superman have a mustache yeah. and no one comment on it, but like
1: just in random scenes <laughs> yeah. through the film
0: mid-conversation, he suddenly grows a mustache. Yeah. He's just come back from the dead. We don't know how Kryptonian <laughs> biology works exactly. Could absolutely sprout a tash. Um, but that's that's interesting. Um, also, very very quickly this week we had uh, John Powell. Confirmed as the, the composer for the untitled Han Osolo movie. Mm, yeah. Which is interesting.
1: Well, his work on How to Train Your Dragon is gorgeous. Um, So I'm going I'm to that. How to Train Your Wookiee. That would... I, mean, I don't think you train a wookiee. I mean, he's, you know, he's
0: a You let the wookiee win.
1: Well, yeah, but that's training people to react to wookies, I think. Oh,
0: right, okay. Um,
1: there was weird... And Paul, we're talking about me- mega franchises here. Uh, there is uh, news about the Barbie movie. <laughs> What? we were talking mega franchises uh, Anne Hathaway is apparently lined up to play something in the Barbie movie you've
0: had my curiosity <laughs> now you still have my curiosity and like what, what
1: the heck <laughs> yeah. yeah Amy Schumer was, was apparently in line for this
0: mm-hmm.
1: which was another what the heck moment if we're honest and, um, and this hasn't been verified or anything but apparently talks are underway now with Anne Hathaway for the same role mm-hmm. um I don't even understand what this movie is, I'll be honest. I don't understand, is it like someone playing with Barbies or is she literally going to be playing Barbie? Is it it an animated movie that she's going to be voicing? I don't understand. But apparently they've been churning through scripts and concepts... Everybody thinks they have something that will work and an idea that would appeal to mm. big stars, okay. um, but we don't know. Uh, the director is Althea Jones, um, who's got Fun Mom di- Dinner coming up with mm-hmm. um, Molly Shannon people, uh, so hopefully that's good. But she's apparently in talks to direct, but everything else, who
2: knows? So apparently, <laughs> apparently I'm just reading this now, uh, the, the the premise for the movie was um, the story would centre on a Barbie... who, after she is exiled from a world full of Barbies, enters the real world as a normal normal woman who is imperfect. Okay. Enchanted, but with
0: Barbie. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, all right. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm paying attention.
0: I'm confused. I mean, I'm also that. She enters the world as a woman who's imperfect. Who do we get to play this woman who is imperfect? Anne Hathaway. (laughs) Anne Hathaway. Um, two very, very quick news stories to touch upon. Nick Holt, Nicholas Holt, Nicky, Nicky Holty is going to play a young J.R.R. Tolkien, now we're Tolkien, uh, in a biopic, Yeah, which that's, is presumably going to be called The Lord of the Lord of the Rings. or
1: I don't know. I, it, that's a slightly weird one to me because I've read some Tolkien biographies and I don't remember his early life being that exciting. Obviously, he did serve in World War One, so mm. there's there's you know inherent drama in that, I guess, but it, it's not a it's not a life that seemed filled with incident to me so I, but I, having said that i'm intrigued it's an interesting he was an interesting guy so fingers crossed
0: okay and wonder woman 2 as you mentioned helen yes. has a release date did this did they get the announced this week or was this yeah. i think it came yeah, out of comic yeah. con yeah okay. uh, december 13th 2019 So long merry christmas work. everybody <laughs>
1: <laughs> yay <laughs> um but they still haven't technically confirmed paddy jenkins to the best of my knowledge so they uh, well, need to
0: get on that she's contactually signed it says here so I imagine let's hope she'll be doing it yeah exciting sure good Christmas present so there we go that's, that's all the movie news is fit to print and uh, uh, we should have our second guest hmm and then we should just go straight into the reviews because we're crazy like that. Uh, so the second guest this week is one of the stars of one of my favorite sitcoms on TV, Silicon Valley. He is also a stand-up. Uh, he has been a podcast host in the past as well. Not this podcast, obviously. Uh, and he is, of course, now the star and co-writer of the brilliant, no, whoops, I ruined the review section. Brilliant uh, rom-com, uh, The Big Sick. He is, of course, Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, and it's a fascinating story. This movie, The Big Sick. If you don't know what it's about, uh, he basically plays himself, and he enters into a relationship uh, with a, a lady who then gets sick and enters a coma, and he has to deal with with that, and with her parents, and and the feelings that he's feeling. And uh, it's made in, it's made equally more poignant and funny by the fact that it's actually true. And the co writer of this movie, Emily Fee Gordon, is Camille's wife, and they've been married for ten years, and she did indeed lapsed into a coma soon after they started dating and so this is a this is a wonderful movie and and uh, he was very very funny and perceptive and maybe even profound about it so and actually i had to match that profundity with my own profundity oh God. and i hope you enjoy the profundity that's about to unfold here's Kamal Nanjiani. We are delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by uh, Kumail Nanjiani. How are you, sir? Are you all right? I'm great. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I'm wearing Bruce Campbell's face. Have you ever met someone who's wearing a T-shirt of your face?
3: No, I don't think there are any T-shirts of my face. Actually, I just saw people will make Silicon Valley. Like, there's a lot of fan art out there. Uh-huh. And I have seen... Actually, we just did a shoot where we dressed as, like, the outsiders. And I saw a girl... <laughs> turn it into a dress and it was like my face on her dress so that's the only time i've seen it oh actually emily and i had a podcast called the indoor kids which yes. is about video games uh-huh. and there was a lot of cool really beautiful fan art of that <laughs> and there are a lot of t-shirts of that but not a picture of my face except for that one dress it's Usually, I'm <laughs> drawing
0: how would you deal with, with a situation like that where someone would, if you were talking to someone
3: say like i walked in here
0: yeah, with a picture of your face on my chest. What would you what, how would
3: you deal with that? It would be strange. I would think I was like sort of staring at myself, which kind of feels like that because there's a poster of our movie here and it kind of looks like I'm looking at myself and it's very disconcerting. <laughs> Truly I hate it. Do you want to do you want to move seats? Are you okay? No, it's okay. And I could see that my 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 head is my head is photoshopped on there, and I can is tell. It, it is because because I, I know what the real picture is, and I know what they <laughs> did, and I can just see how it doesn't look like me. And this is a very self-involved thing, but I just like whenever I see it, I, I see like. Let's let's stop breaking down the poster.
0: Well, so you and Zoe, so we, we've got to start now. You started, uh, so you and Zoe so we weren't in the room at the same time.
3: We were in the room. You were, but I think it's they like the way that Zoe's face looked in that shot, but not mine. So they changed my head. <laughs> and so my head, I think is very slightly bigger than my actual head. <laughs> S- certain parts of my face are a little bigger than my actual face. Uh-huh. Like my jaw is a little bigger in that poster than it is in real life. So I- I mean, it's
0: jutting. It's a jutting jaw.
3: It's jutting, and in real life, it's not quite as jutting. So it's uh, don't don't look at me like that. I can feel you comparing. No, it's Um, fine. It's good. It's good. It's just strange to have. Because, you know, we've been doing a lot of press and these posters yeah. that are up everywhere and it's just strange to see them all over the place. But you
0: like the poster. Imagine if you were in the room with a poster that you didn't really, really didn't like. I mean, that I, would be hell.
3: I can't imagine what it would be like to promote something that I didn't like. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, this is a lot of work. I get to talk to great people and most people that I talk to really have loved the movie. So yeah. that's really good. I cannot imagine what this must be like for, like, big stars who go out. Because I've seen, I'm not going to name them, but you see someone you're a big fan of on, like, The Tonight Show, promoting something that they clearly don't like. <laughs> and that must be a soul-shattering experience day after day.
0: And they just tick that box. That's another one of the old contractual obligation list. And- yeah, on to the next one
3: yeah yeah yeah. so I'm glad that at least at least this is something that I can truly be proud of it, it works both ways
0: I have to say there are times when you're interviewing someone and you do right. not like the film right and you do anything but talk about the film you talk around the film
3: oh that must be nerve wracking yeah. so you go in you're like so this thing you did five years ago was pretty good <laughs> pretty much uh,
0: what you also have to do is you have to avoid congratulating the person on a film that you don't like uh-huh. if you're going to then tear it apart on a podcast later on oh my god yeah.
3: you have to be very careful because that could be
0: a default position you come into a room sometimes and you go because uh, you don't know what to say sometimes you just desperately search for small talk and you just go congratulations on the film I love the film Damn uh, it. it's too late it's too late yeah, you can't so take you- it back
3: so I will let you know uh-huh. that every time you don't congratulate someone, uh-huh. they know exactly what's happening. I don't think you're fooling anyone. I think they know, like, all right, he didn't congratulate me. I know exactly what this is because he's going to rip me on a podcast later.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Which is, I think it's fine. It's a strange thing, you know, talking to uh, people whose job is to evaluate what you do. Yeah. And you have to, do, you have to be objective about your job. It's a, it's a complicated thing, both sides.
0: And now I've realized I haven't congratulated on this film. Yeah, which I know. which is the, the horrible noticed. lingering elephant I, in the room. I know, genuinely, <laughs> and I can look in the eye because I can't. I can't often look people in the eye and say Listen, I love the film. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. I uh, saw.
3: I'm. I'm. A, I know Sam Bain a little bit, and I yes. saw you guys talking on Twitter about. Yes, it. Yes, that's right. Because uh, Sam saw it about a week ago, and I'm a huge fan of his. I love. Oh, I love he's, Peep Show. He's a good guy, and you know, um, Four Lions, and I'm just oh, yeah. 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 So. So, uh, so it's very exciting that he liked the film. Um, and you moderated our Q&A last night. I did, and you, I did. Full were... disclosure,
0: full disclosure. I'm, yeah. I'm in the camp. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm inside. Well,
3: you liked it. That's great. That's great. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, Sam tweeted me, literally said I was about to go into a screening of it, uh, saying it's fantastic, you will love it. Uh, and I did, which was great, which is nice.
3: Oh, good. It's always
0: nice. No, it's a, it's a fantastic film. And uh, obviously, it's so deeply... Intensely personal to you, that I imagine it must be closer to you than anything else you've done before. Is this fair to say?
3: Yes, one hundred percent. By far the most personal thing. The, the by far the thing that I I'm, I'm most in is this. By far, and I hope I, I hope this will be <laughs> physically the and emotionally and... physically emotionally in every single way. By far the most personal. I mean most people. Go their whole careers without ever doing anything this personal. And for me, because sometimes people will write something personal, but then they won't be on screen doing it. Yeah. It's such a strange thing to write something so personal. Me and Emily wrote it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she always says, she's like, at least I'm not up on screen. You're up on screen (laughs) in this really personal thing, going through really personal things. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, but it's also, you know, I, I, that's also what I enjoy about it. I mean, it's a little almost too nakedly personal, but I like to try and you know put myself into everything I do. I enjoy that. There's a joy in sharing of yourself, sharing parts of yourself with yeah. people. Uh, I think you sort of. I think I think someone else saying, "I really connected with." this part of you is it can be can be it can be very joyful absolutely
0: but, but in the in the writing process we've talked about this a little bit were there things that you didn't want to put into the film that were too close to the bone uh or were you very very open and honest about the situation in in, in this movie
3: it was steps. I remember that when we were first writing it, we've been writing it for a while, and mm. there were certain scenes, certain days where I would procrastinate and not write certain scenes. I wouldn't write, and I really was like, "All right, why am I not writing this scene?" And it was clearly, <laughs> "Oh, this is emotionally very difficult to revisit." And I remember we've been working with Judd for a while, and it was just one of the projects on his back burner. You know, it wasn't like. It, it wasn't fully known that we would make it. And mm-hmm. so I saw Judd at a party and I was like, you know, there are certain scenes I just can't write. I can't I can't do it. Any advice? And he was like, you just have to bust through the wall. He's like, you just have to. He's like, that's what the good stuff is. Like, if you're having a hard time writing it, that means that's what the good stuff is. And he's like, there's no trick. You just have to sit down and you just have to write through it yeah sure so that was just understanding that someone else understood the challenge and the difficulty was very helpful and that's what it really turned how I wrote turned it around for me I would just like sit down and be like this is very hard to write but just write it and the other thing that helped me was not trying to write it well just Just write write it. it yeah Because, you know, it can be very easy to be like, oh, this is an experience I went through and it's so profound to me and the writing has to be just as profound. I think that's a trap. I think you just try and write it Mm -hmm. and then try and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it and trust that at some point it'll get good. Mm -hmm. But there are sometimes you write. I think writing is a weird mix of intellectual and emotional exercise. Sometimes you write something that you're very emotional while you're writing it. Yes. And somehow that stays even through all the rewriting and everything, and then sometimes when people watch it,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah they
3: feel that emotion that you first felt when you first when you first wrote that line that was a very simple line or something, but you wrote it and it made you feel something, and sometimes it's possible to preserve that and have 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 somebody else experience that years later when they're watching it it's it's it's
0: pretty magical. It's extraordinary. The thing that surprised me about the movie, I mean, uh, given the subject matter, it probably in hindsight shouldn't have been as surprising, but how moving the film is. It is a comedy and it remains a comedy all the way through, but there is a gear switch yes. definitely towards the end, especially as, as you, as your character, begins to experience emotional epiphanies. Yes. It gets really, really uh, tough in the old tear ducts.
3: Oh, good. Uh, was that something that... Uh, I like hearing that.
0: Yeah. Was that something that you and Emily wanted to craft in particular?
3: And, and Michael, obviously, the director. For sure. That was something we talked about a lot. And it's also something that I've been working on in my personal life. I think, I think, you know, to me, the movie's about a lot. I think but one of the things that it is about is how guys... Um, the only emotion that I think a lot of guys feel comfortable expressing is anger. Yeah. And I think, and Emily sort of talking with Emily, I understood like every emotion can turn into anger. Sadness can turn into anger. Happiness can turn into aggression. You know, you watch like people at, uh, you know, watching like sports or something. Yeah. Getting really angry. <laughs> you could see it turn. <laughs> so what do you for, mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, Part of it was also about this guy who hasn't ever been able to express his emotions or feel his emotions. Yeah. Learning to feel his emotions and being comfortable feeling his sadness. The sadness that I think... I think he's a tremendously sad person from the beginning of the movie to the end. uh, Tremendously conflicted and tremendously sad... And learning to feel that sadness at the end, a- and learning to be okay with feeling the sadness—that's part of the—that's part of like the arc of this character. Yeah, yeah. So, really wanted that to be a big part of it, like him feeling sadness and being okay with feeling sadness, and 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 learning to feel sadness through his interactions with Emily, but more more interactions with Emily's parents. Yes. And understanding of that, uh, understanding that the struggle that he has that he hasn't even been able to articulate to himself is a struggle that everybody has, that that's what life is, life is like. It's a series of struggles and you do the best you can. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that. No, no, no. I think it's. I think. I think the struggles of life can be very beautiful.
0: They can. But I was just saying, picturing that on an inspirational quote poster.
3: <laughs> right. Life's,
0: life is a series of struggles. And yeah. you do the best you can.
3: Do the best you can. Yeah. Sometimes inspirational posters could be like more like this. More like a defeatist poster. <laughs> a non-inspirational poster. Everything a... sucks. <laughs> Good luck. You're gonna need it. This would be a mug, but a broken mug. <laughs> Exactly. a little
0: chip on the side of it.
3: Oh, there's like an imperceptible hole in the bottom of the <laughs> mug. And it's got like the saying on top, like everything sucks. Enjoy it. Drink up quickly because you never know when it's going to run out. That's exactly but right. That's
0: profound as well. I can be profound too. <laughs> it really is. That. Just very, very quickly, uh, two quick last things. Um, as someone who played cricket for my local team. <gasps> were you good? For what were you? Years, I was a medium bowler. And the worst batsman in the world. Really? Okay. Truly, truly terrible. You
3: were not an all-rounder.
0: I wasn't an all-rounder, no. But I was uh, medium fast. Should we, okay. Should we give me... I'll, I'll, I'll build good? myself up a little bit. Pretty
3: good. Yeah. Were you a tail-ender? Like you would go up at the end? I was 11, yeah. All right. I was
0: absolutely... I was golden duck almost every single time. Wow. Amazing. But uh, as uh, it's great to see uh, cricket positions being explained in a movie. Because, like I say, I played for my local team for two years, and I still don't understand every position on the pitch. I know.
3: I mean, it is truly, you know, Americans make fun of cricket a lot, Mm -hmm. and it's our fault. Silly (laughs) mid-on, silly (laughs) mid-off, Yorker, these are real terms. Yep, absolutely. Gully, sticky wicket. Sticky wicket, square leg. I mean, these are all real. These are all real terms. It sounds goofy, and they're like, what, doesn't it last like three days? I'm like... Actually, it lasts five days, six if you count the day off in the middle. It's changed a little bit now, but yeah, I loved cricket, you know. Um, I remember when Pakistan won, won the World Cup in 92. That was one of, like, the happiest memories of my life. Uh, Wasim Akram has, was my favorite cricketer of all time. You know Wasim Akram. Absolutely. Were you happy and angry? Were you, yeah! Yeah, it was like, ah! I just turn it all into anger. I love success. Yeah, I I loved want Akram and I loved uh I was a batsman. I was Oh really? I would bowl a little bit by, but I wasn't very good. I could keep line and length but <laughs> once they figured it out there was there was no pace I couldn't spin. But I was an okay batsman, never like great. Uh-huh. But like okay. I'd have moments, you know. Uh and I really wanted to be a cricketer when I was Are There again. LA
0: teams? Can you play in LA? Is it
3: yeah, but I haven't played for long enough that now those, they're so much better than me. <laughs> they're so much better.
0: All right. Well, if ever you're back next time, we'll get a cricket team together. We'll, we'll make it work. To, we'll I would love happen. to play.
3: Well, in Pakistan, on the streets, we just play. I don't know if you guys do this. It's just a tennis ball mm-hmm. that you tape over with electrical tape. <laughs> and then you play it on the streets. That's how like Javed Mianda and everybody Amazing. became great cricketers. That's why a lot of like Pakistani players are good at playing like straight because uh-huh. they play it on the streets.
0: And you have this—you have to avoid the buildings.
3: Yeah, you have to like hit it over the. Yeah, yeah.
0: I did the same. I learned at the uh, side of my house. I had to avoid. I, that's why I'm a terrible batsman because again I was just hitting down the uh, down the garden. Yeah. Not towards the window where my mum would have been furious.
3: Right. Yeah. So, I've Broken a lot of windows. A lot of windows indeed.
0: And then the uh, the very last thing is uh, Silicon Valley. I'm a huge fan. Uh, obviously, season four is just finished. You start season five in October.
3: Yeah, we start shooting in October.
0: So obviously the departure of TJ Miller has changed the dynamic of the show. Are you looking forward in a way to what season five might allow you guys in terms of opportunities?
3: They just started writing, so I don't know what the specifics are. I am curious to see, as you said, TJ, so funny, and Erlich Bachman was such a great character, but in such an integral part of the show, I think the dynamic of the show obviously changes a little bit. So I am very, very sad to, to see TJ go. I loved working with him. And, you know, he's one of my best friends. I talk yeah. to him all the time. So so uh, I won't miss him because I'll still be around him a lot. I will miss working with him. But, I, but, but it is interesting to see. You know, it's easy for comedies to, and I love this show, but it's, it's, I think it's easy for comedies to sort of fall into a formula and our show hasn't done that. But it's a nice challenge for the writers to see you know, how to keep the show the same but different. So I'm curious yeah. to see what happens.
0: I'm looking forward to the, the, the sexual tension between uh, Dinesh and Guilfoyle being paid off at long last. I, I mean, want you crazy kids to get it on. I mean, it's...
3: <laughs> I mean that would be truly amazing. Speaking of fan art, look up Dinesh Guilfoyle fan art.
0: I, 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 don't, I don't I'm scared.
3: People have drawn parts of me that nobody has seen. (laughs) That are not on the Big Sick poster. They are not on the Big Sick poster, no. All right, okay. That only my wife and God have seen.
0: (laughs) And on that bombshell, Camille, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that's Camille Nangiani talking about uh, The Big Sick. And we should start our reviews section uh, by talking about The Big Sick. John.
2: Yes, The Big Sick. As you say, this is um, a sort of romantic comedy uh, and a semi-autobiographical romantic comedy from Camille Nanjani, who we just heard from. Uh, so he sort of plays a version of himself, as is often the case with with comedians, a stand-up comedian, uh, sort of struggling his way through the Chicago comedy <laughs> scene. When uh, one of his gigs, he gets heckled by a woman played by Zoe Kazan, um, and they start uh, sort of they they start dating. And it's, it's it's sparkly, it's fresh, they have a nice relationship going. there's quite sort of um, familiar rom-com tropes, I suppose, to begin with. But there's a couple of things that set this apart from your average rom-com. One is the fact that there's this sort of cross-cultural relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, Kamel's character st- sort of struggles with his immigrant heritage. His parents are very traditional Pakistanis who want him to marry a traditional uh, Muslim woman. Um, so they they set up these really awkward dinner dates with with eligible women Mm -hmm. um, when he just wants to date this this white girl Uh, and the second little wrinkle is that um, his girlfriend uh, suddenly falls into a coma out of nowhere which as as chris has mentioned earlier this actually happens to his, his real life later wife
1: i mean this is a massive spoiler that you know she lives
2: it's, it it's, it is a massive, Her existence is a massive spoiler, but um, she does live. Uh, I mean, this is a romantic comedy. There are no prizes for guessing that everyone lives happily ever after. But oh, uh, it is a you know boy meets girl, girl loses boy, girl falls into a coma. Uh, you you can probably guess the rest. Right. But it's a very smart movie, and it feels like a very authentic movie. Uh, you know, it, it, there are those rom com tropes, but it's done very intelligently. Um, observed very well uh, it, it has a lot to say about this sort of immigrant experience in america um, and a lot to say about the experience of a loved one in hospital you know mm. a lot of the, se- uh, the the film is is kamal um, spending time with his girlfriend's parents who are played by ray romano and holly hunter and there's some really lovely scenes where they they just they're just waiting and you know they're forced into this strange scenario scenario where they have to get to know each other uh, and it's really really sweetly funny um it's genuinely funny as well mm. there's some real laugh out loud moments i think what's good about it is it just it feels real it feels authentic and i guess that's because it is yeah um but it it's it's a sort of it's it's a very likable movie um and not one you usually see in in this genre so yeah
0: Yeah, I I thought this movie was terrific. Uh, I usually have an allergic reaction to Judd Apatow-produced comedies of this ilk, like The Five-Year Engagement, which, as we we know, felt like it was playing out in real time. Uh, This is 40. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, but this, I thought, was really, really great. And it feels written, whereas a lot of these uh, Apatow-produced movies feel largely improvised. And this one, the script by uh, Kamala Najiani and Emily F. Gordon, is very tight, very controlled. Gives great roles to everybody. Zoe Kazan's not in the movie a great deal, but when she is in it, she shines. Uh, Ray Romano, I think, is terrific in this. Holly Hunter's terrific as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's just—it's a really, really good, really moving film that I, that that moved me a great deal, but mm-hmm. also never stopped making me laugh. And uh, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough which is obviously why we gave it four stars. Uh, four stars, though, no, for the big sake. It is a fantastic film, well-worthy of your time. Uh, Hells Bells, what, what's, what's next? It's a big, big old scary shark film, isn't it?
1: A big scary shark film, yes. A uh, shark's film, in fact. Uh, it's a bit of a nightmare scenario, this one. So uh, we have two sisters. It's
0: called 47 Meters Down. I forgot to mention that. You yeah. should mention that. <laughs> the name of the film is 47 Meters Down.
1: Good point. I should have picked up on that. Um... <laughs> So we've got two sisters, uh, Lisa, who's played by Mandy Moore, and Kate, who's Claire Holt, uh, are on holiday in Mexico. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So Lisa's just gone through a breakup, and uh, it's because she thinks that her... Her other half thought she was too boring and too safe and, you know, wouldn't kind of take risks. Uh. So she goes along with Kate and their two new uh, local handsome male friends when they Mm. suggest going cage diving to see great white sharks (laughs) off the coast in a ship owned by a slightly darn-at-heel Matthew Modine. Um, I mean, I feel like if you're going to go cave diving with sharks, uh, more power to you. You probably want to go in a really, really, really modern, well-kitted out, carefully-maintained ship. Mm-hmm. This is not that ship. And so, the cable breaks, the cage <gasps> falls, no. and the two women are left no. 47 metres down.
0: And that's, they, in, in, in feet, that's forty-seven. So
1: <laughs> Multiply by three, Chris. 20, we can wait. And
0: um, that's... Um, 141 feet (laughs) up yours oh yeah boom Google hunting (laughs) in the house
1: (laughs) (laughs) if only he were anyway uh, so yeah so basically what we have is is then the two of these women they are now at the bottom of quite a long distance underwater it's long enough that you risk getting the bends if you go straight up so you can't just swim for it as fast as possible you have to stop in the middle for like five minutes uh huh and there are great white sharks around. Ooh. And they're running out of air. No. Yeah.
0: No, the so, sharks are running out of air.
1: <laughs> no, okay, that was badly constructed on my part. I, I acknowledge run, that now.
0: They're running out they of air. They are
1: running out, The women at the bottom of the sea are running out of air. This is incredible. Um, so it is pretty tense stuff, and, and that's basically it. It's really tense. Uh, you're worried about the entire time. Anytime they stick a finger or a toe or a, an arm or their entire bodies out of the cage, which they keep <laughs> doing... I was basically screaming at the screen, no, don't, stop, go back. No. It was very scary. Um, but that, I mean, I am, as we know, a scaredy cat. My scaredy may not be your scaredy, but I was certainly very tense. I, and from the sounds in the cinema where I saw it, I was not all on my own for that. <gasps> um, it's a nice, neat, sort of 90-ish minute film. In fact, mm-hmm. 85, under yeah. under 90. Yeah. Um, so it keeps the tension up basically the whole time. They're, they're in the shark cage from a bite, sort of... 10-15 minutes in, and then they're in it. Okay. From then on, um, there are some issues. Definitely, I mean, some of the line, lines could not be more on the nose uh-huh. on the shark's nose. And um, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah.
0: How do they communicate down there?
1: They're in. They're in the kind of masks where you can talk, like uh-huh. full face mask kind right. of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: okay. <laughs> that okay. would be a different movie, yeah, it wouldn't, be, it,
1: wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Super, <laughs> yeah, <be laughs> super boring.
0: Well, For minutes. One of the best scenes. One of the best sequences in Jaws, of course, is a moment where. Richard Dreyfuss goes down mm-hmm. under the water and you, you know, he's like that's, that's basically him
1: and that works in Jaws but yeah. I think for for, for full 85 film, minutes yeah it wouldn't work <laughs> um, I mean this is a bit more like The Shallows probably a couple of years ago but the sharks okay. are not quite as um, focused when
0: do we in a pro shark far. movie when are we getting the movie a movie in which the sharks are the good guys do you know
1: it's a good question Chris because it's not very fair um, and you know shark activists always complain about Jaws so this one I think is quite good because it, it doesn't it's not a sort of the sharks are not hunting them they're mm. just in the area because the waters have been chummed which they shouldn't have been and they make a point of that
0: never chum
1: don't chum the waters don't chum the waters um life hack i don't want to get into spoiler territory but there is a, a thing at the end of this film that reminds me of another horror film and we can discuss that once you've all seen it but the, it's an interesting thing the exorcist i'm not going to discuss the it Chris. it's the exorcist it's not the exorcist okay. anyway so uh, we give this three stars it's it's very effective as what it is
0: Okay, which as we always say in the podcast is, of course, a shark recommendation. So do check it out, 47 meters down. Um, and very quickly this week, we should mention that Captain Underpants is out as well. It is an animated movie. Um, it is not a, do- a documentary about me. Uh, it is about a superhero who runs around in, in tidy whities And uh, we gave that two stars. Two stars, I'm afraid, sadly, we thought it was... Someone want to finish that sentence for me? Poopy pants? Oh, just pants? Just pants, just John. pants, John.
2: Poops You're always shirt. obsessed with the poop, aren't you? Just- <laughs> that's a character name from reading that review. There's a character called Professor P- Poopy Pants,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which, um, I mean, that, that's worth
0: a star, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is worth a star in itself as well. Uh, well, that is it. That means it's it for this week's Empire podcast. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun. Uh, I won't be around. I'm going to be in France on holiday. Uh, Helen? is also not going
1: to be around. You're I'm going around. to be on a secret mission.
0: Really? Yeah. Hang on. I, I think I know what this is. Yeah. I think it. Oh, I know what this is. Uh-huh. This is cool. It's a cool, that's secret, a cool mission. secret mission. Yeah, it's that's a cool secret secret pretty mission. cool. Going to a shark tank? <laughs> <laughs> Never go in a shark tank. You're going to shave Henry Cavill's tash <laughs> at the end of filming for Mission Impossible <laughs> 6. It's,
1: it's, it's a big ceremony. We're
0: all going. That's not going to be in August, is it? That's, that's right. <laughs> um, John, are you available next week to. I guess I have to be. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So join. John next week for more (laughs) film-related fun. When he'll be joined by uh, Brian Cranston. Mm. That's pretty good. That's Mm. awesome. I've got
1: tickets to see him in Network. Really? Yeah.
0: I'm mad as hell.
1: I'm not going to take it anymore.
0: (laughs) Um, Because he paid presumably. And uh, who else we joined by next week? Um, Oh, James McAvoy.
2: Mm. Star of Atomic
0: Blonde and Brian Cranston's in a film called Wakefield, which is going straight to DVD uh, and uh, digital download very, very soon. So keep your eyes peeled for that one as well. Uh, Right. Until that auspicious occasion, it's goodbye from Helen. Toodle. It's goodbye from John. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to just put some toilet roll around the edges of the, the toilets here at the Empire Building, the studios and transform people's lives. So wasteful. I care about people's buttocks, Helen. Does that make me a bad person?
1: <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make you a bad person.
0: It's the way in which I care about them? Is that what you're saying? All right. Thanks for listening. See you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Helen just made an obscene hand gesture, everybody. Um, I did not. I just gestured at all of him. It was obscene. Oh, the, all of me? Yeah. All right. So that's, you're saying there's a 60% chance that I'm obscene? Sure. Anyway, we'll work out the maths in that one. See you in a couple of weeks time. Uh bye. <laughs> <laughs>